today I get the privilege to finish the series. My, my. Who's been, who's been blessed so far, by the way? Are you sure? All right, cool, cool, cool. Over the past, for the month of um, February, we have been looking into a topic called the disposition of supernatural rest. The disposition of supernatural rest. Last Sunday, oh, sorry, two Sundays ago, my gosh, last Sunday was Love Sunday. Wow. Who was here for Love Sunday, by the way? Wasn't it amazing? He was absolutely mind-blowing. Listen, I was at the front here, taking notes, looking at my wife, like, mm, see you. <laughs> taking notes as well. But it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But here we are again by the mighty grace of God. We will be rounding up uh, our series on the disposition of supernatural rest. Hallelujah. Last time, two Sundays ago, we looked at the dwelling place. Just a quick recap. A dwelling place um, of the Holy Spirit. We discussed, we decided, we discussed, pardon me. We said the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not a dove. It's not an it. It is. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit is not a mystical idea. The Holy Spirit is not an energy. Um, all, uh, it's not the, the least of the Godhead. We said the Holy Spirit is not even his name. The word holy means hagios. Spirit means pneuma. It's a description of his essence. Amen. Right. And we also, decide, we, we, we learned that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not just God. He is the power of God, the power of the highest. Not just the power, he's the anointing of God. Not just that, he's the unlimited presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God. He's the creator of the world and the author of scriptures. We said the Holy Spirit is a person, has a will, has emotion, has a mind, makes decision. He's not just a person. The Holy Spirit, like I said, is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is, a, is, is an, the atmosphere of God. He brings the presence of Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit is the dimension. We call it the dwelling place. The Holy Spirit is the environment, the dwelling place of God where we stay. In that place, we say there is no such thing as will. There's no such thing as, as me, aspiration, plans, and ideas. No, no, no. In that place, we said it's the Galatians 2.20 dimension. For I have been crucified. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the conscious of God, my God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, we said, is, includes activation of our spiritual senses, revelation and understanding of the word. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. The Holy Spirit renews and transforms us. To round up, we, we discuss how to enter into the dwelling place. Number one, we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we sharpen our sensitivity. We pray in tongues. We spend time in the word. We pray. By doing that, we sharpen our spiritual sensitivity. And also, we practice the presence of God. Get your secret place. Stay in that secret place. When you leave that secret place, you carry it with you. Like the children of Israel, they carried the place, the presence of God with them. Amen. And finally, to stay in the dwelling place, we discussed that number one, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Number two, absolute submission to the Holy Spirit. And number three, obedience to the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Today in rounding up this session, we're going to be looking at the rest of peace. Someone say rest of peace, of peace. Our foundation scripture, I'm going to open it up again, is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. Let's open it up, please. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. It says, There remains, therefore, a rest 
for the people of God. Amen. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 11 says, let us therefore, it's a, it's a command of responsibility. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Amen. What's my time, please? Um, okay, somewhere. It is well. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Do not leave that for now. The rest of disobedience, sorry, I'm not talking about <laughs> the rest of rest. The rest, pardon me, of peace. We'll start again. The rest of peace. Okay. Now, in 1943, a psychologist called Abraham Maslow, he carried out a research and he wrote a paper called The Theory of Human Motivation, right? The Theory of Human Motivation. In that paper, he established what we call the hierarchy of needs, five-step hierarchy of needs. The reason why he put that together is so that we can understand the fundamental needs that we have. Okay, let's go to the slide, please. Thank you so much, media. God bless you. The five hierarchy of needs. Amen. Here's what he said. He said, at the foundation of the hierarchy is our physical needs. That includes air obviously, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, and reproduction. I can't even think about friendship if I can't even find food to eat in the morning. I'm not even thinking about my status in life if I can't even breathe, right? So he's saying the foundation of our needs is our psychological needs. Air, obviously. Without air, of course we're dead, right? Water, food. After that is our safety needs. Personal security, right? Employment, resources, health, property, right? That's what he said. After our safety, once we've got our psychological needs all sorted, and then our safety needs is also sorted, then the next need is our love and belonging needs. Friendship intimacy, family, sense of connections. You see, there are some people, if you look at the second needs, there's a safety needs, you know, the personal security, employment, health, wealth goes in there as well. That's why some of our brothers don't want to get married yet because they're saying that, you know what, I don't even care about love and belonging if I can't even afford a house yet, right? That's essentially how some people think, right? Fair enough, we move. Then the next one after love is esteem, respect. Once you've got the psychological needs sorted and your safety needs is also sorted and your love and belonging needs is also sorted, then you're thinking more about respect. Look at me, I've arrived, kind of thing. Self-esteem, status, recognition, strength and freedom. That's your esteem needs, Abraham Maslow coined. And the final one, the highest, is self-actualization. Becoming what you know you have the potential to become the desire to become the most that you know that you can be the five hierarchy of needs but i want to submit something else to us here and we're going to kind of we're going to break it down a little bit okay the physical so the psychological needs 
when you have air and you have water it gives you peace of mind when you have food it gives you peace of mind in the area of food do you know what at least i have food to eat there's peace in that area amen when you have when you sleep and you sleep well you wake up peaceful generally speaking when you're wearing clothes you feel at peace that at least you're covered up in that particular area. Same thing, personal security. When you experience, when you know that you are secure, there is peace of mind in that particular area. Amen. Same with employment. When you have a job, you don't have to worry about money coming in. You know you've got a job. There's peace in that area. Amen. Same with resources. Same with health. Same with property, right? When you have friends that love you, you're not afraid, you're not worried. There is peace in that area of your friendship and your relationship. Same with your intimate relationships, obviously. Your family, when your family love you, you feel such security. It's a security of peace that you feel. Same with respect. When people respect you, you feel at peace in that area. Do you see where I'm getting at here? So really and truly, as we pursue each of this hierarchy of needs, really and truly, what man is pursuing is peace. When you don't have security, and every day you wake up, you're afraid of your life, there is no peace. You are daily afraid because there is no peace. When no one loves you and you feel hated by the world, there is such heaviness in your heart. There is no peace. So I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that man's number one need, whether he realizes it or not, is the need for peace. Well, here's the thing. Warring against peace is something called unrest. You want to write this down. What is unrest? Unrest is a state of dissatisfaction, a state of disturbance, a state of agitation. Many people are feeling agitated. Why? Because warring against that unrest is what we call distrust. You see, many experience unrest because that unrest is motivated by distrust. I'll break it down in a minute. Bear with me. That unrest is motivated by distrust. And that distrust is fueled by fear. Let me, talk, let, let me go deeper. You see, in the world right now, turn on the TV. All you see is bad news, number one. There's political uncertainty. Since 2010 to now, we've had five prime ministers. We can't even trust our politicians anymore. There's a man called um, Jared Omara, 41 years old. Just a few weeks ago, even last week, he was sent to jail. Do you know why? He's a politician, working politician. He was sent to jail for falsifying his expenses just so that he can feed his drug abuse, drug addiction. Can you imagine? These are the people that we vote for, for office. Political uncertainty. Don't even get me going to Africa. I won't even go to Africa at all. I'll stay here in the UK. Political uncertainty. Even a former prime minister, Boris Johnson, during COVID, they said, don't go anywhere. Stay in your house. But yet, we have party gates. Partying. Enjoying life. Corruption. Sleaze our politician. What does that mean? There is now distrust in a politician, in a political system. Distrust. What does that do to a normal person? Unrest. 
Do you see what I'm getting at? Economic crisis. Where do we start? The cost of living is going up. My God, I don't even have money to buy food on my table. Yet I see some energy companies reporting billions in profits at my own expense. Distrust in the system. Distrust in the institution. The price of living keeps going up and up. People don't even know how they'll survive next month. Distrust in the system. Racial inequality. Don't get me started on Black Lives Matter. Don't get me started. Police brutality. Ah, Father, Father, Father. My, my, my. Biba Henry. Nicole Smallman. They were caught. They were dead. Police found them. They were sharing their pictures in the WhatsApp group. Cracking jokes and laughing at diseased people. Distrust in the system. Sarah Everard. She was kidnapped. Killed. Molested. Killed. Brutalized by a member of the Met Police that was serving. How do we trust those kind of people? Distrust in the system. My, my. Coronavirus. My days. Yes, I'm going there. Marriages decimated. Mental health went down. Family members broken apart. Why? And many have actually also said coronavirus may have been planted deliberately distrust in the system distrust in the system and yet an ordinary man is asking for peace peace how can we have peace when there is unrest my god education system now they're purporting certain curriculums that we know is detrimental to our children distrust in the system my god my god Wow, wow. And what do we do? We just sit down, watching, angry, doing nothing about it. Nothing at all. My God, my, my God. Wow. Distrust in the system. Even in the church. In the church. We bless God for the Church of England. We're praying. Pray for the Church of England. The attack they are going through right now. You see, when the system sponsors you, your mouth is always sealed. Whatever they tell you, that's what you do. Distrust in the institution. This is the Church of England. That's supposed to be the, the testament of, of truth. Now we can't even trust them anymore. Now they want to say God is a he, it's a they, them, she. Can you imagine that? Distrust. Distrust in the system. My God. My God, how can there be peace? Distrust in the system. My days, my goodness. <laughs> Is that deep for real? Crime, crime, terrorism. We can't even go out and feel safe anymore without thinking, I have to, I have to watch my back. Can I even get on a, on a tube today? Lord, what's going on today? Help my life. Distrust, distrust in the system. Lastly, world tension across the world. You see, the world is in such a delicate state at the moment 
the pendulum is going back and forth. Any little thing can tip it over into World War Three. Any little thing. Countries are afraid. They are scared. Listen, Russia, what we see Russia doing right now, that's nothing. China is the threat. Distrust in the system. That's what is causing unrest. That's what's causing unrest. But you know what? I said unrest is fueled, pardon me, is motivated by distrust. And distrust is fueled by fear. Fear. What is fear? Fear is an emotion that is triggered, that is triggered, thank you, that is triggered as a result of either perceived or actual imminent danger. That is fear. It's an emotion that is triggered as a result of either perceived or actual imminent danger. There are three types of fear. How many? You want to write this down? The first is called rational fear. Rational fear is a fear that is provoked by actual danger coming to you. Actual danger. I'm walking on the street and I see a lion coming to me. <laughs> I will bounce. That's an actual danger. Rational fear. The second type of fear is what we call primal. P-R-I-M-A-L. Primal fear. Now, this is a scary type of fear. Do you know why? This is a fear that is embedded in us whilst growing up. You don't even realize it. Listen, your mom doesn't like heights. All of a sudden, you don't like heights. Where did that come from? It's an indoctrinated kind of fear. Whilst growing up, when our parents, or may not be our parents to be honest with you, anybody really, teachers, friends, family members, who doesn't matter, you just realize that all of a sudden, you, you can't even stand in front of people and talk. And you're thinking like, but, but, but where did that come from? Primal fear. And the third type of fear, we call it irrational fear. The world describes fear as false experience appearing real. And to an extent, I subscribe to that, especially when it comes to irrational fear. You don't even know why you're afraid. You're just afraid. You're, you're just scared of everything. Irrational fear. Rational. Primal. Irrational. My God. Are we learning? We bless God. You see, recently there was a lady called, I tell you that before I go into him. It is fear, really, next slide please. It is fear that causes countries to spend billions in defense. Billions. Listen, I was reading an article just a few days ago. Just literally, I think it was about a week or so ago. America released 1.9 trillion, that's it. 1.9 trillion into the defense spending. 1.9. America obviously is the most, they're the only country that are, are kicking that far. China spent 300 billion on their defense. Come on, UK, spend just under 70 bill and they think they've arrived. Fear, fear. It's fear that is causing these countries to spend so much money beefing up their attacks, more so because of recent attacks. People are afraid. Nations are afraid. Afraid. 
it is also fear that causes those nations to sign peace treaties. What is a treaty? A treaty is an agreement, a legal agreement between two hostile nations that the terms of the treaty is what formally ends a state of war. The treaty. You see, a treaty is different from an armistice. An armistice can cause a nation to cease fire or to surrender. Listen, we will sign this armistice and as soon as you sign it, please stop attacking us. That's an armistice. Whereas a treaty, both hostile nations have to sign it. You see, when a state of war is declared, right, a, a document is signed. That document automatically necessitates war between those two, those two nations, right? And even after fire has been ceased, even if it's done, completed, until a peace treaty is pronounced and signed, even though they're not beefing anymore, they are still in a state of war. That's why a peace treaty, really and truly, is what automatically finishes and ends a war between two or more hostile nations. Are we learning? Amen. Amen. Hmm. My God. I'm getting somewhere. This old treaty, circle it on your book, get ready. I'll come back to it later on. And once finally, it is because of fear that countries spy on each other. Here and there. Go on the news. Recently, America shot down some balloon, some spy balloons that they think came from Russia, from China, right? Because they're afraid. I'll stop there for now. We move on. You see, a lady, an author called Ruth Sukup wrote a book. Hmm. What? Before she wrote the book, actually, she did some research. She got some researchers, she got some psychologists together. What they, what they did was they, they researched into how fear molds us. How fear changes our psyche, our mindset. And they came up with seven archetypes, seven types of people and how they react and they relate to fear. How fear completely contorts and changes their character and turns them into certain people. The book is called Do It Scared. Feel free to avail yourself of it. I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying, okay? Anyway, do it scared. They came up with seven archetypes, seven types of people and how we deal with fear. You see, I'm dealing with this for now because I first have to diagnose the issue. Amen. <laughs> the first type of people, thank you, multimedia, God bless you, is what we call the procrastinators. You see, the procrastinate, I know, right, I know. The procrastinator procrastinates because deep down in their hearts, they are afraid of the unknown. Unknown, unknown. Some are even afraid of success or failure. Hence, they procrastinate. You see, when you ask somebody, why do you procrastinate? They probably said, you know, well, you know, I'm just lazy. But behind that laziness is fear. It's fear. The procrastinator procrastinates because of their fear of the unknown. The next, please. They're called, hmm, my God, the rule follower. Now, the rule follower is an interesting one, really, because there are people where they just want to follow rules all the time. Because following rules give them certainty. And they follow rules all the time because they're afraid of uncertainty. That's a fear. That's a fear. Uncertainty. Hence the rule follower. The third, please. The third. My gosh. The people pleaser. Ah. Ha, ha, ha. They're touching the nerve. The people pleaser. They love to please. Why? They are afraid of being disliked. They're afraid of being judged. The people pleasers. That's the fear. Hmm. 
<laughs> Let's move because of time, please. The outcast, they want to cancel you before you cancel them. They're afraid of rejection, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are afraid of rejection. The outcast, they're afraid of rejection. Anytime you see some lone ranger, some outcast trying to cancel you, you know why. They're deep down, it's a fear. It's a fear of rejection them. And the next one, please. Hmm. The self-doubter. The self-doubter. My God. The self-doubter. They are always doubting themselves. They are always doubting themselves. Why are, they, why are you doubting yourself? You're afraid. My God. Hmm. My, my, my. God. See, what's scary about this is the self-doubters are actually afraid of their own ability. They are afraid of their own potential. They are afraid that they can actually do something. But yet, they keep doubting and doubting. The next one, please. My God. The excuse maker. They are always making excuses. Why? They are afraid of accountability. Because they know if I make that decision, I'll be held accountable for it. So it's not me or it's, it's Apostle that did. <laughs> Love you, Apostle. You see, because they don't want to take responsibility. And I say Apostle, why? Because even in the church, even in the church, every time it's the leader, you take ownership for it. You take responsibility for it. Stop making excuses. It is you, not your leader. It is you. It is you. You. It is you. It's you. It's you. It's not, it's, not, it's not apostle. No, no, it's you. Take responsibility. And finally, finally, hmm, the pessimists. They are afraid of hardship. They are always pessimistic all the time. You see, Ruth and her team, she put it down. Get the book if you want to get it. Do it scared. The seven archetypes of fear. You see, what fear does, once again, fear cripples. Fear wants to contort you into an image of itself. Fear wants you to become somebody that you are not. But we know in the church, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever block me from his hands till he returns. Oh, calls me home, hearing the power of Christ. We're going to take it one more time. Choir, please help me. No power of hell, no scheme of man. Come on. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Calls me home. Listen, here in the of Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. You see, the Bible says perfect love cast out fear. I want to set you free by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you know the love of God for you, where is fear? You are not a statistic. You are not an archetype of fear because the power and the love of God courses through your veins. Hmm. My God, my God, fear. Let's move. What is peace? What is peace? What is peace? Let's check it, please. What is peace? Let's look at 
some definitions of peace before I go into it properly. Peace is the non-warring condition of a nation, i.e. treaty, amen, groups of nations or the world. What's the next one, please? Peace is a state of mutual harmony between people or groups, especially in personal relations. Peace is an agreement or treaty between warring or antagonistic nations, groups, etc. To the end that hostilities can be stopped and they will abstain from further fighting and antagonism. That is the Miriam, sorry, pardon me. That is the dictionary definition, dictionary.com definition of peace. Okay, Miriam Webster defines peace as freedom from civil disobedience or civil disturbance, pardon me, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relations, harmony, harmony, hmm. Bless God. Webster's 1828 dictionary defines peace as a state of quiet or tranquility, hmm. freedom from disturbance or agitation. And finally, applicable to society, to individuals, or to the temper of the mind. Pardon me, it's all the same thing. Okay, all the same thing. Right? That is the dictionary definition of peace. But I want to quickly demystify the worldly myth of peace. You see, when the world seeks after peace, they are seeking after three types of peace. Three. How many? Three. The first is peace with man. So what's a peace with man? The second is peace, sorry. So the second is peace of mind. So say peace of mind. And the third is inner peace. So say inner peace. So when the world is seeking after peace, this is generally what the world is seeking after. But I want to demystify for a second here because it's a shame really because when you say peace with man, what that peace means is, listen, I won't disturb you. Just don't disturb me. Even if I'm killing myself with drugs, as long as I'm not disturbing you, leave me alone. That's what peace with man generally means. You do you, I do me. If we have to put something on paper to say, listen, we're not fighting and let's do that. As long as you know your place, I know my place. But here's the thing though, majority of the crime that we see are unprovoked. Majority of the crime that we see are unprovoked. Terrorism, believe it or not, it's unprovoked. Unless some people feel that they have some sort of statement to make. So they want to kill people in order to make the statement. Listen, when a young man, as we've seen in the news, when a young man takes guns, goes into primary schools and shoots innocent young people, what kind of peace is he seeking? Where? When a group of people take guns and go to a church, unfortunately, it happened in America and killed people in the middle of the service. What kind of peace is he seeking? So we see that peace with man or the concept of peace with man is warped. Not only that, it is impossible to have peace with man without the Holy Spirit. So man's attempt, man's approach of peace is futile, unfortunately. Peace with his fellow man. My goodness. Growing up, and I, in my secondary school, even till now, to be honest with you, how people just steal my book and steal my pen. I'm like, but why are you stealing from me? They want to fight me as a result of it as well. Why? Why? The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Desperately, not, not just wicked, desperately wicked. 
when a fraudster, my goodness, scam people, listen, and he scams of millions of pounds or dollars, whatever it is, he's thinking that, oh, God has blessed me finally. My hustle has gone through. But yet, the victim is devastated. And unfortunately, some of them commit suicide because the entire life savings has been decimated by a fraudster who believes God has blessed him. What kind of warped peace is that? So you see, once again, peace with man. Ah, second one, peace of mind. Hey, my God, my God, my God. I will let the statistics speak for themselves. Next slide, please. In the UK alone, over 8 million people are experiencing anxiety disorder at any one time. Next, please. 60% of employees are expressing anxiety daily. Next one, please. Around one in six adults in the UK are experiencing depression. There's a high likelihood that somebody you may see tomorrow when you go to work is suffering from depression. My God. Next one, please. 74% of people feel so stressed that they have been overwhelmed or unable to cope. 74 percent 74 percent of people are struggling mentally next one please over 700,000 people take their own lives each year that's one person every 40 seconds hmm. peace of mind hey ah uh, that's where the enemy goes for you know he goes for the mind if he can win that battle in your mind he's killed you ah but we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind. We soon be bad so We coalesce with the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. How dare you want to kill yourself? How? How? Ah. Hmm. Next, please. Ah. Peace of mind. One in five people have suicidal thoughts. Listen, if this word is hitting you, just pray. There's mercy. There is mercy. There is mercy. One in five people have suicidal thoughts. Next one, please. My God. My God. Over 1.5 million people are experiencing both problem debt, mental health problems. What that means is that so many people are struggling financially and it's affected their mental health because of their inability to provide. My goodness. Yet... The world is seeking peace of mind. You see, when you have money, trust me, in that area alone, there is peace of mind. There is, for real. Hmm. God help us. So you see, is there any more? Is that it? Oh, that's it? Okay, God bless you. So, you see, man's ability really to attain peace of mind alone, once again, is challenging. Because the, the efforts, the war that is facing man is so much so much. Any one person from anxiety to, 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 to bipolar disorder, to suicidal thoughts, to you know stress, so many different mental health challenges. Listen, the mental health cases globally is skyrocketing by the day. Many people are struggling in their minds. That's why many is, are seeking peace of mind. My goodness. And let's go back to the initial, um, what's it called, the, 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 the slide from before. Because the inner peace is another pursuit of man. Inner peace. Inner peace, my God. Inner peace. You see, it's the pursuit. What is inner peace? Inner peace is wholesomeness. 
wholesomeness of your mind, wholesomeness of your heart, wholesomeness of your spirit. That is inner peace, inner peace. That you can go to bed at night with nothing worrying about. Inner peace. You see, it is inner peace that has motivated many people to start dabbling in things like hypnotism. Chakra. Ah, hey, hey. Let, me, let me pause there. I'll come back to chakra in a minute. People start dabbling in things like centering, iridology, start, start dabbling in things like spirit guides and horoscopes and zodiacs. Why? Because they're seeking inner, inner, inner. What is chakra? Chakra is a spiritual power point that is often used in yoga or in Eastern mysticism. Chakra. It speaks of a certain power point in your body. You see, it's chakra really and truly that necessitates things like acupuncture because they've realized there are some certain parts of your body that if they can access that part, it will bring you peace. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You will access a dimension of actualization, a dimension of wholesomeness if they can penetrate certain parts of your body. Witchcraft witchcraft it's witchcraft you see the pursuit of inner peace has led many people into witchcraft and they've opened themselves up to all sorts of demonic infestations that is the world's pursuit of peace if you're doing it listen or you have done it before repent immediately don't get involved in that at all it's witchcraft new age ideologies new age practices Name it and claim it. Ah. Oh, my, 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 my. Listen, it's all a pursuit of peace, inner peace, inner peace. I've spoken enough about the problem and I've also demystified worldly peace. Ah, my God. My God. Next slide, please. Let's look at the, let's, let's now talk about the peace as it pertains to divine peace. Now, this is where healing will take place. This is where breakthrough will take place. This is where all your challenges in your mind, you will be set free in Jesus' name. My God. You see, in the Old Testament, the main word really that was used to describe peace, the Hebrew word is shalom. Someone say shalom. You see, when someone says, see, these are the scriptures, feel free to avail yourself of the scriptures. But here's my point though. You see, they use it as a, as a greeting, kind of like, um, as, as a greeting form, right? Now, here's another thing. When they say shalom, there's so much that is encompassed in that word shalom. For example, let's go into it, please, yeah? Completeness, soundness, and welfare, right? Next one, please. Safety, health, prosperity. Next one, please. Quiet, tranquility, friendship, contentment. And final one, please often used as a verbal greeting, as I said before. So when they say shalom, they are wishing you completeness, soundness, welfare, safety, health, prosperity, quietness, tranquility, friendship, contentment, all packaged in the word shalom. So when, so in the Old Testament, really and truly, this is the dimension of peace that God offers his people. Does that make sense? Are we learning? In the New Testament, now, this is truly where I'm getting at today. The Greek word that is used to describe peace in the New is the word irene. Someone say irene. 
my God, this, this, this blew my mind. It blew my mind. Let's just go through. Let's bring all the different descriptions back together, okay? See, Irenae, similar to Shalom, is also a combination of many different blessings and grace. Harmony, tranquility, safety, welfare, health, lack of strife or reconciliation, peace with God, peace of God, concord, unity, salutation that expresses good wishes, blessings, well wish. And the last one, irony, is also an indication of the author and authority of peace. I will come back to that shortly. My goodness. So when we say peace, especially irene, it's a combination of all of these things. You see, irene, as you can see, is multifaceted. What am I talking about, Ayo? You see, in the scriptures, the word in the, in the Greek anyway, irene is one word but has many different administrations. Three to be precise. You see, irene. You see, with irene, we have a dimension of peace with God. That's irene. With irony, we have a dimension of peace of God. Two, three, irony also speaks of peace of Jesus Christ. One word, irony, three different administrations. One word, irony, three different working. One word, irony, three different operations. Are we learning? One word, irony, my God. Because irony is multifaceted. Now, as believers, we have to have this understanding so we can appropriate the peace of God with wisdom. And we can know exactly what it is that we are pursuing. Because if you're trying to, if you're, if you're trying to appropriate, if you need the peace of Jesus Christ, but you are appropriating the peace of God, you will get a different result. That's what spiritual technology and spiritual intelligence is all about. You have to be able to appropriate the right aspect, the right dimension of the peace that you need. In order for us to understand the peace of God, we first have to understand the peace with God. Peace with God makes room for peace of God. What is peace with God? In Genesis chapter 3, we know, or chapter 1, God made man. Man was perfect. Absolutely perfect. But in Genesis chapter 3, man sinned. Now, as a result of sin, three types of sin entered humanity. You want to learn and write this down. The first is what we call imputed sin. Someone say imputed sin. <coughs> to impute means to credit. You take what belongs to one person and you credit it to somebody else. I have a young son. He has a bank account. Every now and then, I take what belongs to me, my money, and I credit it into Levi's account. What belongs to me now belongs to him. That's the whole notion of crediting, imputation. When Adam sinned, God credited what belongs to Adam, which is the sin, and credited it to humanity. Let's go into the scriptures, Romans chapter 5. Let's open it, please, because I want us to really read this. It's really important. Romans chapter 5. Verse 12 to 14. I'll read it. NKJV. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. 
verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Verse 14, please. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had no, um, those had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. What am I trying to say? The Bible says that because of Adam, sin was imputed to the world. That's essentially what that scripture is all about. Okay, so imputed sin is the first type of sin that came to humanity as a result of Adam's sin. Imputed sin. Second is what we call inherited sin. So imputed then made room for inherited sin. Inherited speaks of the nature of sin. The nature. You see, it's the nature that causes the third type, which is the personal sin. So imputed sin then brought about the nature of sin, inherited sin, which then leads to your personal sin. So you sin every day because of the nature of sin. Not because you want to. The flesh, when a man is born again, it's just the spirit that's born again. Not the soul, not the body. Just the spirit man. That's why we spend daily trying to you know, renew our minds and, and, and renew our minds and, and live holy so that we can work and exercise ourselves unto godliness. But it's the inherited sin really and truly that brought about a wedge between the relationship of God and man. It is the inherited sin that caused enmity. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 to 8 says that man says that. Let's, let's read it. Let's read it. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 to 8. Let's read that, please. Mm. Verse 7 to 8. This is really, really important. Okay. It says, verse 7 Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It is the nature of sin that is enemy against God. Listen, man. The degenerated man doesn't want God, doesn't can't stand God. He hates God. He's at war. There's enmity between the degenerated man and God. But here's the thing: God says in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, that the soul that sin will die. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. And the Bible also says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So somebody has to die. Because man has sinned, somebody has to die. And man can't save himself. Man is subject now to eternal damnation. He needs help, but he can't save himself. Ah. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us in the worst world, yet sinners made us alive together with God. My goodness. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, that, And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, which was against you, which was contrary to you. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and power, he made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them in it. My God. My God. By his stripes, we are healed. By his nail-pierced hands, we're free. By his blood, we're set free. 
now we have the victory the power of sin is broken Jesus overcame it all thank you Jesus yes he has won the freedom Jesus has won it all it all sing it yes hallelujah you don't you don't like this song do you you oh sing hallelujah hallelujah you have won it all for me death could not hold you down thank you jesus chapter 5 verse 1 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God we have peace with God we have peace with God we have irene with God having been justified by faith um, the death the resurrection of Jesus Christ gave us peace with God see that dimension of irene is what we call the dimension what is it let's go back to my slide please all right let's go back to my slide is a dimension of justification is the dimension of righteousness that that peace my goodness that peace is a dimension of justification righteousness it is that peace that brought us back into intimacy and fellowship with god it is a peace of righteousness and restoration you can always appeal to the peace of righteousness and restoration because that's the dimension of irene that brings us into righteousness we know that righteousness is a fruit pardon me peace is a fruit of righteousness that is the peace that jesus christ brought to us the bible says and him who knew no sin became sin that we may become the righteousness of god second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 we may become the righteousness of god of God peace with God peace we now have peace with God because of the sacrificial act of Jesus Christ it is therefore that peace that we have with God that now entitles us to the peace of God the peace of God my goodness the peace of God what is the peace of God next slide please see the peace of God you see the peace with God is the dimension of righteousness and restoration the peace of God is the dimension of relationship and security the peace of God is a covenant that God brings us into upon upon making him upon making Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives the peace of God is a covenant it's a covenant it's a gift. Psalms 29 11 says, God blesses his people with gifts and with peace. He blesses his people with peace. My, my. God 
blesses his people with peace. You see, that peace has different dimension again. It's amazing, really. Ah, the manifold wisdom of God. Irene, the peace of God, also has different dimension. I'm, I'm in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, the Bible says that we should show our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means peace is our language. Peace is our message. We are supposed to be agents of peace. Romans 12, 18. We are supposed to walk in peace. That's the dimension of the peace of God. My God. That's the dimension of the peace of God. Peace of God is also a shield. It's a shield. My goodness. Philippians 4, 17. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it will guard, it will garrison the word, garrison your hearts and your mind. It protects. It is a peace that God gives you by virtue of covenant and relationship. The peace of God. That's another dimension of the peace of God. Thank you, Multimedia. And the peace of God which surpasses. You see, it's amazing because that peace, we don't even understand it. You're in the midst of a challenge. You've just got a, a message from your landlord. You are being evicted tomorrow. Pack out your bags. You're supposed to be afraid. But for some weird reason, the peace of God protects your mind. God, I thank you. Ah, you are my God. You are my king. I love you. You get on your knees and you worship. You roll on the floor and you're like, Lord, I love you. I thank you. I bless you. I'm out of my days. Your manager said, you know, we're getting rid of you next week find another job you're supposed to be afraid but for some weird reason ah, father lord you roll on your feet because you understand covenants listen covenants is amazing the peace is a covenant a covenant means god is legitimately entitled to take care of you that is the part of that that's his part of the covenant he has to look after you jesus said don't you worry what you will eat have you forgotten the scriptures? Don't you worry what clothes you wear. If I look after the lilies, how about you? Oh, you of little faith. And you're bare there crying, bottling your eyes out in unbelief. If you understand the peace of God, that's why they call it the peace of prosperity. It's not, listen, this peace is not an absence of troubles. It's the presence of God. Ah, you didn't catch him. This peace is not an absence of trouble. It's the presence of God in the trouble. Ah, that presence. You have so much. You see, ah, you don't you see. You see, in that presence, you don't just have peace. That peace morphs into joy. Ah, that peace enters a different realm called joy. Joy is delight, period. My goodness. Any little thing, you're crying. You're there, God, look at my life. Look at my life. Is he always me? What did I do? What, what, who have I wronged? No, that's unbelief. It's a lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Let me round up. It's a fruit. We know. Fruit of the Spirit is peace. It comes out of you naturally. That's another dimension of the peace of God. And let's go to the peace with God because of time. You see, to understand peace with God, we need to understand Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Ah, uh, we need to understand Jesus as what? The Prince of Peace. 
the word peace or praise part of the word sah in Hebrews, Isaiah 9 6. Listen, Jesus is not just the prince. Let's thank you, thank you, Multimedia. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, of Peace. Sah. Let's start, go back to my slide. What does that prince mean? Ah, ruler of peace, leader of peace, chief of peace, captain of peace, general of peace, commander of peace, overseer, embodiment of peace. Ah. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Do you get it now? The prince of peace. So let's go back to the next slide. When Jesus now tells us in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, I, this is my peace, I give you. Uh, we need to open our spiritual senses to understand what he's talking about. He says, everything I carry, I give you. Everything I am, I give you. But here's the thing though. Jesus, the peace of Jesus, as you can see, is a peace of responsibility and endurance. Let me break it down briefly. You see, if you look at that scripture, John 14, 27, even in John 16, 33, it says that this I'm telling you so that in me you may have peace. Then it says in this world you will have tribulation. But it says be of good. Ah, that is a, an indication of responsibility. It says my peace I give you. Hence, do not let your heart. Ah, responsibility. That's Responsibility. In this world, you will face tribulation. However, be of good responsibility. That's your responsibility. I'm reminded, Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. Jesus said that all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Responsibility. That's a similar thing that he said in John 14, 27. He says, my peace I give you. So, go. Don't let your heart be troubled. See, the peace of Jesus is the peace that God gives, that, that he himself gives us so that we may be able to use it to handle the warfare that comes with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that one more time. The peace of Jesus Christ is the peace that he himself gives us so that we can use it to handle everything that comes with being a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what? As a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a special dimension of warfare we have to fight. And in that warfare, my God, there's a lot to go through. That's why he said, I give you my peace. Because he also went through his warfare. And how he felt in the middle of his warfare is complete delight in God. That's what he's now giving us. So in your warfare, as it pertains to my call for your life, I give you my own peace. So that you can use that peace to help you. Hence, it's a peace of responsibility and it's a peace of endurance. How do you know whether it's a peace of responsibility? It's the word that comes before. Let not your heart be troubled. Anytime God throws the responsibility back to us, that's the peace of Jesus Christ. Let's open that final scripture. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Hmm. So could you point something out there? Then we'll go for the last stage and then we'll call it a day. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. You see, let me post them. NKJV and KJV, they say the peace of God. But practically every other version says, and the peace of Christ. 
How do we know it is the peace of Christ is talking about? It is the first few letters that we, words that we see. And let the peace. I told you, the peace of Jesus Christ is a peace of responsibility that you have to work out yourself because you know you have the person inside of you. So as it says, and let the peace of that helps us know that this is a piece of responsibility and the peace of Jesus is a piece of responsibility. Amen. To help us handle the warfare that comes with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Mr. Final slide, please. How then, after having this understanding, do we then appropriate the peace that God has given us, the multi-dimensional peace that God has given us? Number one is understanding. As we've just spoken to you today and we've taught you about the peace of God, take this knowledge, go deeper yourself in it, understand it more for yourself. The Bible says when you hear the word of the kingdom and you don't understand it, the wicked one comes and he steals that which you have heard. It's now your responsibility to go away and understand this even deeper for yourself so you can appropriate it better for yourself. Next one please. Number one is understanding. Number two is fellowship. We spoke about the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. It is a place where you stay. The more you stay in that place, the more you carry that place everywhere you go. It's as simple as that. That's the maths. The more you stay in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the more you carry the presence of the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. You enter into a room, my goodness, they'll start praying. They don't even know why they're praying. They pray because you're there. The presence of the Holy Spirit. You enter into a place and some sort of headache just disappears. Why? Because you are there. That's what we carry. Your manager is planning to sack you. They see you and they change their mind immediately. That's, the, that's what we carry. The fourth is obedience. That's right. The third is obedience. 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 Ah, obedience is such a key virtue in the kingdom. To appropriate the peace of God, you have to walk in obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said there was a, there was a time in, in times of Isaac, there was a, a, a war, some, some issue in his current area, and he wanted to go to Egypt. God said, um, Isaac, don't go to Egypt, stay where you are. And he was obedient to, to what the Holy Spirit told him. As a result of that, the Bible said he prospered. He continued to prosper, so he became exceedingly prosperous. Obedience. There are some of us here, to this year, God is going to give us specific instructions. It's now up to us to listen and to be obedient. In the obedience, there is growth. In obedience, there is development. In the obedience, there is capacity that is, grow that is built in obedience. And finally, confession. To appropriate the peace of God, we have to confess it. The word is homologia, saying the same thing in consent, in agreement. The word says it, therefore I receive it and I proclaim it. Whatever issue comes to you, ah, go into the word. The word that has become life to you. Open up your channels and decree a word. Mm, that's the four ways to appropriate the peace of God. Understanding my people perish for their lack of knowledge. They don't even want to seek knowledge. Seek this and get this for yourself. Nobody will take it away from you. Number two is fellowship. Number three is obedience. And number four, confession. 
Let's rise to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a few minutes. Just pray. Speak to the Lord. Speak to the Lord as we round up the series today on the rest of peace. My God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for opening our senses. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for today.